just like that, we are back. Episode 8, Phil Toronto here, Tartar Project. Today we have my friend John Fiorentino in the house. Uh, well, it's actually an office, but either way, he is here, present. Uh, we talk about a bunch of different topics. He has a true roller coaster of a story. And you'll hear exactly what I mean by that from him. I had to pry it out of him a little bit. It's obviously not something he runs around talking about all the time, but he's probably on the right path, I'd say. And I'm pretty sure you'll agree by the end of the episode. He is the creator of Gravity Blanket, which you may or may not have used. If not, relaxation is just around the corner with a 25-pound blanket. Check it out. And also, most recently, Moon Pods. Uh, which you may or may not have sat in or sank into, which are phenomenal. And he has a ton in the hopper as, as the crazy mad scientist inventor that he is. But we cover we cover a lot and we go deep. We talk about how venture capital might not be right for some folks, how it's the right path for others. It, it's not for him. Um, and also just what it means to have a mentor and how important that is and just understanding that you can do it and it could be a variety of different things but um tune in in about 10 seconds from now uh thanks for coming back tell your friends all about the tartar project if you're listening and liking it give me five stars on itunes follow me on spotify i really appreciate you coming back week after week so thank you so much and without further ado let's kick it off to john all right here we go episode eight i think wow of the Tartar Project. Moving along. We have John Fiorentino here. Mm-hmm. Of what's what's the byline that I should use? John Fiorentino of John Fiorentino. Labs. Labs. Great. Yeah. So John's John's a friend. John's mad scientist inventor type of many products, actually. Um, but just two that we know of that have been released, but just what's trapped up in that marvelous dome is what's to come. And it's actually really exciting, but we're not going to talk about that because it's not ready. No, no, we're not going there. But where we are going is we're going to talk about two of the products that you probably have used the, the likelihoods higher than most, uh, at least for one of them, gravity blanket and the other, which is growing, it's coming moon pods amongst other things. But that's not where you started. It's not where I started. Where'd you grow up? Grew up outside of Boston in a town called Andover. Kind of a sketch town. There is uh, the super famous private school that I didn't go to. and But you still have a tie to it. Still have a tie? How? How? Would you have a t-shirt? From Phillips. Oh, my dad. My dad drives a Zamboni. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good. The best, the best move like post half retiring of all time is quitting working and being a Zamboni driver. So yes, uh, involved with the private school there. <laughs> um, yeah, the best, that's the, that's the best dad move I've ever heard from my dad. Loves hockey, watches the Bruins with a hockey stick in hand. It's just an eight, anything goes wrong just in case. He's just screaming with like reliving the glory days. It's hysterical and sad at the same time, but he loves hockey. And he, now he's doing what he loves driving Zambonis. You got to respect it. Have to respect I, it. I have nothing but respect. That's amazing. I uh, grew up there. Yeah. didn't like it. Um, it was all right. It was whatever, but yeah, I was really, I was like, you know, kind of split personality was like lacrosse kid and also jazz drummer and started, you know, kind of, talking to colleges on both of those and then ended up choosing the jazz route because they kind of, you know, didn't want to pay for school. Didn't want to go to school. Didn't want to go to school. Had no interest in school. Was not into it. I was was like, high school like high school was sketch. High school was weird. I had a great time. I basically watched a few movies about high school and just made sure that that was my high school experience. Like, 10 Things I Hate About You, best movie of all time. Agreed. Throws a party, flyers down the stairwell. I did that so much so that we actually brought a boombox and played the sexy body song that plays. We like reenacted some scenes from the 90s teen movies. 
So that was basically my high school experience. Had a good time. Actually did some weird things entrepreneurially in, in high school. That's a cliffhanger if I've heard one. I've never told. I don't talk about this ever. Just, uh, I'm going I'm to extract a lot of these nuggets. So It's just what I do. The big thing was like music. It was like I had my band. We like did all of that, like booked shows, put on concerts. It was awesome. Um, but then I started making T-shirts. I had this, you know, I was like 15, so I'm going to like brag. But there was the sickest fucking design of all time. It was, <laughs> I had this idea. I saw this like weird art show somewhere. And I don't know where I got the idea from, but the artist was messing with like old white, like colonial generals and like, and like, uh, like prominent black figures. And so he wasn't really doing it the way that I was doing it, but I was basically like, wait, that's sick. I'm going to put like George Washington's, I'm going to put like Lil Wayne's head on George Washington. And I'm going to put Tupac on like Napoleon. And like, I don't know if it was appropriate to do, but the shirts were sick and they sold out immediately. I sold them to stores around Boston and like, still my friends are like, yo, you need to bring back those t-shirts. Limited that drops. Limited drops was just very limited, very exclusive, very rare. And how did, did you, did you use, well, I guess not if you sold them to shops, but I tried to do a similar thing that didn't ever take off because I was using the uh, take home kit from Avery designs where you could iron on a design that you print from your printer. No, Yours this was probably a little bit more. This was super sketch, super sketch. Uh, so I used to study, I used to study jazz at a prep program at New England Conservatory on the weekends. And so I would go and do my jazz thing. And then I would walk around the city and I would go into like fashion stores and like hip hop stores and like buy records and like buy like billionaire boys club and shit. And that was like my high school, like city routine. And this one store in Boston there was a guy that was working there that was like this huge like fashion douche guy. But he like, you know, he was just like the classic like chrome hearts rings and like big, big like, you know, crazy necklace and was just name dropping every sentence and me being like 14 and 15. I was like, oh, my God, like you were with Kanye West, like sick. And he started talking about how he was developing a clothing line. And I was like, oh, I want to make T-shirts. Can you help me make T-shirts? He was like, yeah. He ended up charging me like so much money for like what he I could have. He, he hosed he a kid. He fucked me like so. It was like, dude, I was 14. Like, who are you? He was like 28 probably and was just like, I went to his apartment to pick up the final product. And him and his brother came to the door with a baseball bat and was like, if you don't pay me, the money right now you're going to have, we're going to have some problems. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, is this how it's done? It's business. It's business. Yeah. And, he, and he was like, I was like, yeah, man, like, let me see the shirts and like, I'll pay. And he was like, no cash up front. <laughs> and I was like, they're, they're, they're white t-shirts, dude, like chill out. And then I paid him the money, which was way too much that I should have paid for white t-shirts with a print on them. And then he brought them out and they were like, they were good. So I guess I'm not that mad, but like, it was a weird well, first the process experience. was odd. The process was very odd. weird. Yeah. He was like a, he was like betting on like, it was very Boston, like town, like Charleston. Like he was like betting on horses in the background and was like making threats. If I didn't pay him for my Tupac t-shirt, it was strange, but it worked out. Fair it's enough. Still one of the best things I've ever made. Um, and then, yeah. And then I was doing some other weird stuff around Boston nightlife stuff, like not proud to admit it, but it was like, you're a promoter promoting parties yes. and like throw, I was like DJing. Um, yeah, I was like 16 or 17 at this bar that I won't, it was his club that I won't name, I guess. But like my cover sort of got blown when um, we were, I was throwing a party there and I was DJing and this was like my third or fourth party. And it was sick. Like I was so young and all my friends were like slaving on the weekends and stuff. And I would do one night and make more money than they would in like a year. And then I just wouldn't do anything. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to DJ this bar. And like, that's way better than like working at a chocolate store. So like, you know, put it aside. I'll like sneak under the velvet ropes and tell them that I'm like 27. 
take the risk, worth the risk for me. And, but the fun, I got caught and he let me do a few more parties. But after this, he was like, you know, I can't do this. He was like, get the fuck out. This is illegal. He, uh, the guy who was the club owner was like, you know, I think he was like this crazy Russian, probably tied to something, but he came up to me and he was like, he was like, Hey man, you're doing a great job. Do you want a bump? And I was like, sure. And I like put my fist out to give him a fist bump. Oh God. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah no, like, yeah, dude, like pound it. And he, he just looked at me and was like, how old are you? <laughs> I was like, Oh God, I'm caught. And he was like, I'm not going to say anything, but he was like, go home and look up what that is. And like, you know, let's start rethinking about your role as the party planner here. And I was like, okay, fair. Yeah. But luckily that was at the end of high advice. school. So, you know, made, made, a, made a few, made a name for myself, DJ John Fiorentino party promoter, and then got out very quick hit. Yeah. Well, in, in and out. That's in and out. Had to do that's it. Smart. Had, had to make money. Had to, Timing is had everything. to prepare for my New York trip. And then that will, your New York trip, is that your... I went to college. I went to school. I went to NYU. Oh, yeah. Didn't, jazz. Didn't, didn't want to go. Got, yeah, went to the jazz program, jazz performance major. Very, very fun for when it lasted. But then the first year or so, I was like, I got to, you know, I can't. I really didn't want to be a drum teacher. Loved playing drums, but like... As a jazz drummer, you're either like going down in the books as Tony Williams or, you know, the best of the best or, you know, you're a jazz teacher and I was not the best of the best. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll swallow my pride, kind of give this up. Went to the went to the school at NYU where you make your own major. I ended up actually calling it it's like this really weird culture at NYU where you can like make up the name for your major if you're in this school. And I ended up calling That's interesting. it yeah, I ended up calling it luck. <laughs> it was like how to get, basically it was like luck and entrepreneurship, but it was just like, everything was just like, how do you make something work? Called it luck. And is that on your diploma? Yeah. Fast forwarding. That's amazing. Yeah. It says luck. Wow. Pretty sick. Yeah. That was fun. Um, and that's, I guess, so that's, that's too much the coffee. first. I had too much coffee. I think you're fine. Okay. You're totally fine. You're super dialed in. <laughs> Just like every detail. Yeah, like, no, I love it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's like small numbers. This is an, this is an intimate crowd. This is the, this is the. the no, this the, is one of the biggest podcasts One of the of biggest podcasts. Of, okay, great. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. Nightclub days on record. Right. Great. Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Um, <laughs> so majoring in luck. Majoring in luck. That's the first time, perhaps, that you put a label and formal air quotes. I'm doing that for the audio listeners. Air quotes. Uh, training around entrepreneurship because you had been entrepreneurial to date, just based on the stories that you just told. Like yeah. I'm sure there was a million more things that please don't tell me uh, yeah. that you did do. <laughs> Saved a few. Kept yeah. a few off. Keep them. Keep them. Keep them off. <laughs> OTR. Um, that's like the first formal dip into entrepreneurship and yeah. knowing what, what you were doing and having a name for it maybe. Yeah. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know there was a name for it. And it was just like, you know, Oh, I want to make t-shirts. I'm going to make t-shirts and I'm going to make more money than I, than I spent. Like, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Like lemonade stand. Those were like my best memories growing up. I was the fucking king of Pokemon and crazy bones, like crazy, just like playing for money. Like a prize No, player. just like social cons, like just like really playing the social game of trading mm -hmm. and just really building the your playground deck. was not recess was not fun time. It was to get the Charizard and it was to trade up and I did it and I ran it with I ease. Oh God, I have so many of these. These are, these are, these stories are so many. I do you remember Chromies? Yeah. I brought the market to Chromies to my town. Whoa. I'm t anyone that I grew up with, I will, I will tell you the time and the date when me and my, when we, when I, when I did this and I brought it to the town and everyone sort of like, really, it took off. But Chromies was like, that was the market that we, like I made in my town. It was dark. Entrepreneur, tastemaker. Tastemaker. Adding to the resume as we go through this episode probably where I'm supposed to be. I should have a, I should have a fashion blog podcast 
or like a blog or like you, you know. probably should actually that's a O-O-T- that's a good segue OOTD because you you are super on trend arguably way ahead of the trends some of the stuff Always that ahead. I've seen you wear too ahead John too has much a phenomenal fashion sense it's it's pretty incredible I'm too ahead of it I gotta slow down it's a blessing not a curse just keep that in mind the gas station sunglasses people did not believe me the Keens that Gucci just knocked off I you know I don't think I you know. I don't think girls would talk to me for like a year and a half because of those, but I stuck with it and I'm still wearing them here and there. And now people recognize you for it. Last old entrepreneurship story. So I made a, in college, I made a handbag that had an, uh, that had an iPad slot Yes. and I made an app and we had this whole plan of like, we're going to have like digital art on the handbag and it's going to change. And we had all this crazy plans and it was sick. Louis Vuitton, it was their key piece this spring. Hmm. 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 John, fashionblog.com. It's coming. That's what we'll Maybe share. Maybe not that URL, but <laughs> John's world. Yeah. Dot biz. Dot biz. Great. Dot world. So, yeah, okay. Back back to college. Uh, you're, you're majoring in luck. What, what, what else were you doing in college? <clears throat> uh... So I went to call. I, w- I was okay with going to college. I was fine with going to NYU because I had one goal. And the one goal was to meet a dude that would teach me things. That would just like kind of take me under his arm and teach me stuff. And I actually, I ended up meeting, I had two people that were on my list. It was to go work for Kanye West or Justin Bieber. I ran so into- So it wasn't just a dude. You were You were seeking out- well, it was like I was you know, coming people. from, I was a jazz musician. I was like, okay, I'm going to go over on the pop end. I'm going to go find the next Justin Bieber. I'm going to be like the big manager, David Geffen guy and loved music, wanted to make that into the thing. And then, so I was like, you know, started seeking out who were the music players. And it was like pretty clear that Kanye was going to be like the voice of the generation. <clears throat> and then I was like, you know, who is going to be the next David Geffen? And like, you know, it's kind of happening. And that was my bet back then is Scooter Braun, who manages and found Justin Bieber. And so I basically spent, I emailed both of them every week. And then I spent every weekend kind of like looking for them in New York, which was a really, looking back on it, that sounds insane. It's slightly that's an insane. insane. That's an insane plan. Especially because Scooter lived in LA, I think. He kind of did, but he had an office. <laughs> he had an office here that I waited outside of for a long time. He doesn't know that, but I used to wait outside he his office. He probably still doesn't. Don't worry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the Kanye West guys, I knew all of his team by name, and I ran into them a few times, and they really didn't like me. Fair. They didn't like me. They were not feeling the, like, this was, like, before Virgil was anywhere near the radar, and I was going up to him at that stage being like, yo, I make these t-shirts with Tupac on, on them. Like, let me get you coffee. And he was just like, yo, please go away. At least he said, please. He said, yeah, he was, yeah, he was nice about it. Kind of. He's a, he's a nice guy, I think. Um, and then, yeah, weirdly one night I ran into after like 20 emails, I ran into Scooter on the street, went up to him, had a conversation with him, was like, yo, answer my emails. And then it's an interesting opening. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, again an insane. Looking back on it, these these moments were not smart. They were not. Yeah, they were they were very t- throwing it all at the wall. If so, if that's an interesting point. If you had to do it over, and if you could do it over, a would you? And if you would, how would you have changed how you got Scooter's attention? I wouldn't have. It's the perfect. I'm a big believer the best story always wins. I agree. Running into him on the street and convincing him to give me a job and him being down with that. And like, he knew it too. He said it. When, it, when I walked away, he goes, hey, if this ends up working out. This is going to be the best story ever. And like, yeah, when people ask me like where I started, I say that story and they're like, oh my God, that's the best story ever. You ran into your idol and he hired you. And I was like, yeah. On the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. That's, I completely agree with you. And I think the, the takeaway there is you got to always go for it. But 
just because you're going for it doesn't mean the person's going to say yes. And they don't have to say yes. They don't owe you anything. No. And the fact that they do take a shot on you is great. Yeah. But at the same time, if they say no, on to the next one. On to the next. Or keep trying, but eventually go away yeah. when you know it's time to actually go away. Yeah. Yeah. I emailed Gary a few times. Gary was on the list. Did he respond? He responded. We had a nice, we had a nice funny banter back and forth. My, my, the, my first email to him when my first email to him after I heard about him, this was like in 2011 or so. So like he wasn't really what he is now. Like he wasn't like a household name. <clears throat> I emailed him with the subject line, fuck the jets. And he opened it and I was asking for an internship and he opened it and responded. Sorry, I don't hire Patriots fans. Cause that was in my body. I was like, you know, Tom Brady is the best fuck the jets and he goes sorry i don't that started a nice rapport and then after i worked with scooter scooter called him or someone at scooters called him and then we ended up meeting and that's how me and gary's relationship started so like it all works out yeah it all comes it all, full circle it works out. just a, a fun fact going in heavy against the jets as a patriots fan will never work 101 percent of the time for anybody that's trying to get to gary just it, it didn't just work fyi didn't work. it's it's not it's not a secret path it's a <laughs> Absolute dead end. But I mean, I'm not a huge sports guy, but like, I'm never leaving Tom's side. I, hey, I'm certainly not leaving the go Pat down with side. the ship, man. I'm not going to be a Jets fan to get a meeting. I get it. Same. You know, slap me in the oh, face, wait. but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a converted Jets fan, for better or for worse. <coughs> um, is this good? What is this? Yeah, this is great. Okay, this is great. I'm probably going to cut what we just 90%. said, but. Yeah. No, that this is good. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll leave it in there. Um, but so now you're working with Scooter. You got hired off the street. Hired off the street. I t so he was. You moved to LA. He was living in LA. I, he was like, you know, he, when I first told, I was like, yo, let me come work for you. He was like, hey, I'd love to, but I actually just moved to LA. And I go, I'll move to LA tomorrow if you give me a job. And he goes, if you can get to LA by the end of the week or the end of the month or something, I'll give you a job. And I was like, okay, Don. Uh, so I ended up kind of dropping out of school for a quick second. I didn't really, but I like dropped out or like maintained whatever, but left, like dropped everything and just moved out to LA. And yeah, like a couple weeks later, I was like sitting in Scooter's house where we were working out of and like, you know, cooking. I was really good cook for him, did like some really awesome stuff as the I don't even know what they would have called me because it was literally like three guys. It was Scooter and like his right and left hand man. And then he has like a bunch of people that are always like working with his artists. And then it was just like me as the driver and the cook. And I was just like super annoying. I'm like, I, 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 had, I had breakfast with Scooter a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And I was like, how did you not fire me? <laughs> And he was like, everyone wanted you gone. I wasn't going to fire you because like we, he was like, I had a similar experience at my first thing. So like I knew that this was going to, you know, we were going to stay in touch and it was going to be for the best. But he was like, yeah, you were pretty fucking brutal. And I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah. at least he was honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, that's the one thing that he, he was the first person that was like super, super honest with me and told me both where I was really fucking up and told me where I was really excelling. And there's very, very rare that people will have that candor with you. And like, he, he was like, I mean, he said some shit that changed my life. The last, the last day or so that I was working for him, we took like a four hour drive to one of his concerts and we just like went in and he, I don't think he remembers any of the conversation, but like it changed your life. It literally changed my life in like the realest way possible. He was like, this is who, this is what you're afraid of. This is who you are. This is where you want to go. Stop trying to work for people. Like you're, you're the fucking worst an intern of all time. <laughs> he was like, you're never going to be happy working for anyone. Just like stop that. And like, you have what it takes to go and do it on your own. Just go and do it. And I was like, Whoa, like no one had ever said that when I would talk about other stuff, to other people, it was always just like, oh yeah, okay. Scooter gave me the push that I needed. And basically I was like, I was 20 years old. And in my mind, it was weird how accurate this kind of played out. In my mind, I was like, look, 
if I go, if I go like balls to the wall, I probably have seven years before I really burn out. So if I go absolutely nuts trying to get something off the ground for myself for seven years, if I fail, I would have failed and I'll be 27. It's not, that's like, yeah, all like it's still very early, still very early. So I was like, okay, seven years, seven year bet. I'll take it. If I'm not what I think I am, I'll go and get that job at JP Morgan or something. You know yeah. What whatever saying? you need to do, whatever you I tried, knew. I tried. And, uh, so that sort of set me on my whole, like, I'm going to make something from nothing. And yeah, I, I mean, failure after failure after failure, and then kind of just stumbled onto this, I or stumbled onto this product idea of a 25 pound blanket. But and before that, because I, I want to touch on how we yep, met, yep, because yep. you you had banter with Gary back and forth. <clears throat> I probably archived some of your emails that he didn't even see because I just probably thought you were annoying as his assistant. <laughs> and that just thanks, Phil. Tone, tone's coming through as sarcasm, <laughs> and it is sarcasm. But it's very real. But probably was real. I'm gonna <laughs> go look back and see if I remember any of them. But uh, we first met around one of, I guess, the failed companies, but the failed, yeah, it, the it wasn't a terrible idea. What was, a, what was, was the context idea. we met under? Yeah, so I had this idea. Um, I was going to put tablets in the back of Ubers, and I was going to advertise and do all this crazy shit on the screens and games and whatnot, and uh, basically taxi TV for Ubers. Um, and I bought like you know, I bought like ten or few, uh, ten tablets did a test and I went in, I remember I, oh no, my God, I don't even, I didn't even remember this, dude. I've never told anyone this. I've never told anyone this. So I was sleeping on couches. I was, it was crazy. I was like bouncing between San Francisco and LA and I would sleep on couches in San Francisco. And then when I ran out, I would get a, a midnight bus ticket and I would go down to LA and I would do that. And like that bus ticket was cheaper than any hotel or anything. So I would do that. And in the midst of that one morning, and so they dropped you off at the, in the Marina. And one morning I get dropped off at the Marina in San Francisco. And there's this huge tech conference and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, tech conference. And I, I'm like thinking of ideas, thinking of ideas. And literally, as I was just like walking around the parking lot, it it hit me about like, wait, why isn't why isn't the sharing economy being like utilized for advertisement? And I was like, holy shit, I could give tablets to Ubers. And like that could be a whole new revenue stream for, you know, new new audience the, the drivers would make more. I was like, that fucking works. I called like three of my smartest friends and they were like, yeah, yeah. They were like, no, that like that kind of works. And I was like, holy shit. So I walked into the tech conference and Gary was speaking. So I went up to Gary afterwards. He was, he went, I went up to Gary and I, I like without knowing I was like, Gary, I went up to him. I was like, Hey, we met, we met at coffee a while ago and he was super nice. And I was like, Gary, I'm in a pretty, I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm at a pretty low point right now. I was like, you know, just got off of, of a bus. And I was like, I have, I have two, I, I was like, I have an idea that's real. And I was like, this one's real and I'm going to do it. The next time I'm in New York, can I get 20 minutes of your time? And he was like, yes. And then immediately I think he put me on an email and we like set up a time and I was like, it was a month out and I was like, holy fuck, this is, I have four weeks to prove that this idea is going to be real or I'm just, I just wasted this guy's time and I'm going to look like an idiot and I'll hate myself. So for four weeks, I fucking crushed. I just like 24 seven worked and I got, I did two, I did two tests. I did a test in San Francisco with 10 screens. And then I went to New York and I did a test in New York with 10 screens with these Uber drivers. I would drive around with them and I gather all this data. And then I met with Gary in the morning like a month later, showed him the data, sh gave him the pitch. And he was like, yep. He was like, that's it. Go do that. And he agreed to invest in the meeting. I think he said, I think he told me to take out my phone. And he was going to text me the money or something. <laughs> it was like, he was like, yes, that's it. Like, go, 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 go raise a seed round. Like that's, 
that's the thing. This is going to be real. This is going to be real. And yeah, he was like the first dude to actually like put skin in the game behind me. And then that sent me off on that whole venture route, which was ended up not being the path for me, but was a path that I probably needed to go down to feel super Just comfortable for where I'm at. And I couldn't be happier that I went down that path that Gary took a bet on me and let me go down that path. And that I am where I am today, which is not going down the venture scaled business route, taking a, a little bit, what's becoming less and less of a contrarian path, but a little bit of a contrarian path. A lot of people a couple of years ago thought I was, you know, stupid and lazy. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, this is actually the realist. And like, this is run an actual business to run an actual business. That's like, I'm, I want to do it for the right reasons. I don't want to just play the lottery because I know those dudes that have raised a shitload of money. They play venture is literally a lottery game for the most part. And what happens when you win the lottery? Like 90% of people that win the lottery go broke or they go crazy. And like, I was talking to these dudes that exit for like $500 million and they just did it to get the 500 million. They get the 500 million and they don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't know. What that was the do. thing. That was the thing. They got the thing and they did it for the reason that was tangible, that was measurable. And once, you know, once you get that, it's game over. And like, you know, it's super, it's terrifying. It's terrifying when you want something and then you get it. It makes you go, it's, it's crazy. And so that's why I love the Gary thing is like he picked this thing that may or may not come true, but he's going to die trying. And like, if it does come true, I think he knows this, that it's going to happen probably like a couple years before he dies. He's, and like, yeah, he's in there. Well, a, he admits that he's never going to die. So I don't think that's fully accurate, that's, that's but at fair. the same time, that's fair. Yeah. I kind of, he's, you know. he's been saying like 70 plus to buy the jets for context. It's the perfect cat. It's the perfect crosshair where he's going to get that at the stage of his life right before like he can't do anything anymore. But like, if you get that when you're 25 or when you're 35 or when you're 45, you still got to be alive for like 60 plus years yeah. and you go insane. and adjust and stuff. And then you don't know why, like, you know, you got, you're doing things for the wrong reasons. And like money is a measurement of a market demand. When you start doing things for the measurement, you start measuring the measurements you go crazy. Yeah. You forget what it was about. It wasn't about the measurement. It was about the thing and how valuable that thing was to the world. And if you don't know why you're creating the value for the world and you're just focused on the measurement, you can't play the hundred year game. Yeah. Because you don't essentially have purpose. You're just trying to chase money, yeah. which is terrible. It's stupid. It's a it's really, a waste of time. it's a short, it's a really short sighted path to just yeah, it's just like I want the it's like being a child and being like I want the popsicle. Like give me the candy. And yeah. you get the candy and you're sick. That stinks. Yeah. I don't know where that was going or No, it's good. That, <laughs> that may, maybe we don't drink coffee anymore. Oh, wow. Wow. Take me take guide me, Phil. Bring me down another path. I got to Okay. Well, let's keep going dark. So I love it. I love that's, it. <laughs> that's where I'll take over and where I met you because I was not in the meeting where we committed to invest and you came in, I came in, you hated me. <laughs> you totally hated me. <laughs> Hate's not the word. <laughs> Hate wasn't the word. I was You're very like, curious. Who is this guy with a fucking suitcase and a backpack. Like, yeah. And why are we wiring him so much money with so many zeros on this? <laughs> because there's no physical product and I hadn't gotten the actual pitch or the vision yet. But to give Gary credit, Gary was right. I, I was the one who sort of gave up. But like a kid that's basically building the same business just raised $25 million for Founders Fund. So like the idea was there. Yeah, you just, again, like your fashion sense, a little too early. A little too early. Which is also code name for being wrong sometimes. I'm wrong a lot. Which is good, but is good. it's what you do what off you do of with it. It's where you go f from it. And so this is just, this is an interesting tidbit that I'm curious about you were going back and forth between San Francisco and LA. You were on the overnight bus mm -hmm. from San Francisco to, to LA. It's cheaper than a hotel room. Mm -hmm. So what, what did you do when you got to New York? You're trying to get me to say it. I'm not going to say it, but I will allude to it. Yeah, I didn't. There was nowhere for me to sleep. 
but I had to, I had to go, I had to go to New York for the meeting. And like, I'm not going to say I was homeless because my parents live in Boston, but I couldn't live in Boston. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in Boston and make it to Gary's meeting. And that would always happen. So it was like, yeah. You slept on the subway. It got dark a few times. You slept on the subway. And that didn't yes. deter you from building a company and following your dream is what I'm trying to get at. I'm not razzing you. I actually, I don't <laughs> have that in me. I know that. I would not have slept on the subway for Podium. Yeah, it or was any, uh, maybe any company or I just haven't found that company yet. But this might sound that, super. That's not, amazing to me. It might sound super. I don't know. Maybe this isn't what I should say, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It's fair. It's like, I mean, I went out to L.A. the other day. I told you this story, rented a car. It was a really nice car, big car. Didn't want to pay for a hotel. And I just slept in the back of it yeah. one night. It's not that bad. Like you don't need anything. That was the super, that was the thing that I learned off of the podium shit and failing over and over and over again was I literally needed no money and I just needed chicken and rice and I didn't need anything else and Wi-Fi. I needed Wi-Fi, but like, you know, subway neck pillow on same as a, as a flight is like really the, the amount of things and stuff that you need is so small and people overestimate it. And it's like, Oh, like I can't do that because I, you know, I need this. It's like, if you strip everything away and you go to zero, you realize you're still alive. And then you're like, Oh my God, I can do anything. Yeah. Like I, my runway is forever. I can do this for the next. Like if I ever go broke again, I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm fine. I can relate with you on that. Not nearly as extreme, mind you. I took it to I an extreme that probably doesn't need to be taken to, but it was nice. It was yeah. nice to feel. It was like, I can't ever lose. Yeah. Especially in America. Like, oh, not on. at all. I'm a white dude in America. Like if I'm not taking chances that making me sleep on the subway, like you're too comfortable. Yeah. You're too you comfortable. Have real privilege. Real privilege. Like I always, you know, ever, anyone that's in the, that's in a, state of that privilege like if you're not take that's why i love i love the kids the rich kids that come from super rich families that just like continue to crush it's it's one of the most impressive things because they're doing it for the right reasons they have all of the money in the world but they've figured out that that's not what it's about and they're just building to play the game and leave the legacy of the family name yeah and, and not like, just counting on the trust fund. They're not or, just counting on the trust fund. And they're like, you know, that to me is crazy. I never really understood like, Oh, I'm going to build this business to pass on to my kids. I was like, no, like, fuck that. Like I'm not giving them anything. The more and more I think about it, it's kind of incredible. If you pull off the family legacy business and then are able to sort of coach your kids and teach them the reason why you built it and the reason why they should continue to build it and continue to grow it. It's like, Whoa, if you pull that off, like, like, you know, I love the, I love Ralph Lauren is like the, just the goat. Yeah. Just the goat. And like his kids, Dylan, Dylan's candy. And like his son is taking that business to a new level. And like, they're doing all it's like, Oh my God, that guy built a hundred year company. That's never going away. And his kids are continually to building, building out that legacy and making real shit. I don't know where that came from. That I was love the it. coffee. That was more coffee. That's okay. Cold brew, baby. Cold brew. I'm shaking. Shout out Lucky Jack. <laughs> First sponsor. Had to do it. First sponsor. Had to do it. Um, uh, it's actually an investment. But no, oh, nice. Yeah, they're doing very well though. They're great. Um, so that podium didn't work. Podium didn't work. That's fine. When did you find what would become Gravity Blanket? Like, how did you stumble into that? <laughs> yeah. Because so, that very much does work. Yeah, that one worked. Um, so yeah, that was pretty crazy too. It was like, you know, podium, I, you know, was literally sleep, like subway pulling subway nights before the Gary thing. And then that came through and immediately, cause Gary was on board. Like we raised, we got the 1.5 million committed to the seed round, like very, very quickly. And so in like a couple months, we basically were starting to take that money in and it was hitting the bank account and we hadn't spent any of it. But then, you know, right when it hit, right when we were like, we were like 70 or 80% of the way closed, me and my co-founders just like really sat and like talked and like 
you know, gamed this system out and we were like, this is not the business. Like this is going to be a slog and we're going to be crossing our fingers that Uber buys us and like they probably won't and they're probably going to do this themselves. And like, you know, we were like self-driving cars when that happens or are the drivers out, you know, like there's, there's 90 things that could have gone wrong. And I didn't want to waste a million and a half of someone else's money in like seven years of my life. Uh, it was just too small of a, of a rule. It was too small of a chance of success. So gave all the money back, didn't spend a dime, gave all the money back and then went back to zero. And I was back on couches. And when you go back to zero, like <laughs> twice in the, in a year, less than a year, like your brain just kind of goes fight or flight. Yeah. Like crazy fight or flight. Like, you know, I remember like walking around on the beach at like 3 a.m. in Venice, just like going crazy, going crazy with like, what is the thing where, like, how do I make something work? How do I make something work? Like I can't, I can't sleep in Starbucks again. Like it just hyperdrive started talking to everyone that I knew and talked to a guy who told me that I should build a pillow company. And that sent me down this whole spiral of sleep. And I was like, you know, this I remember is, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I told you about the pillow. Yeah, thing. yeah. You loved it. I do. I still do. It's, a, it's, still, it's, still, in the, it's still in the hopper. It's still in the hopper. It's still there. Um, and then I was, yeah, I was meeting with, I was like, you know, I had like, I gave myself a couple months to do this. And so I was moving super quick. And when I was going through the design process, I, I, I started talking to sleep scientists and one of them casually mentioned sleeping with 10% of your body weight is, a, is an incredible natural anxiety relief tool. And I was like, what did you just say? And she was like, yeah, yeah. Weighted blankets. Like you don't, you've never heard of weight. And I was like, no. And I went home and I made a sample I bought these pellets online that were not even close to what we ended up using for the final product and stitched together this like thing. It was like, you know, half of it, it was like a 10 pound half shitty blanket. And I just put it on my chest and I passed out in 10 minutes and I woke up and was like, Oh my God, I found the thing. I was like, this is gonna, I was like, I don't know how big it is, you know, I spent the last year was, is this a billion dollar opportunity? Is this a billion dollar? I was like, fuck that. This is incredible. This helps me sleep. I help it like, it made me feel so calm and at peace. I woke up feeling better than I had in a very long time. And I was like, I don't give a shit if I make $10,000 off of this thing and I sleep and I eat chicken and rice for the next year or so. Like, I just want to make this for people. So I put that one in the hopper, started running around. You know, I had like 70 other product ideas while I was figuring out the weighted blanket one linked up with a friend who had a media company. And I was like, hey, let's launch a product together through your media company. Because um, I was like, you know, solo entrepreneur, didn't have any, any, I was like making selfie videos right. about products to get the good a, ones. The good ones, RIP, might bring it back, probably not gonna. But, you know, built out to get email lists to launch a product and got that to a point where I was like, okay, I have, you know, a couple thousand email lists signed up that know I'm launching a product, got my friend who had a media company and we were like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's do this product thing. We ended up deciding on the weighted blanket and it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. We pressed, you know, we banged that thing out in like a couple months. We made one sample that ended up being like the final design and the final product essentially, uh, put it on Kickstarter and like in 24 hours we had like 500 grand raised and it was so crazy, crazy. It was crazy. So much shit happened in those 30 days. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it and it's like, how did that, how did that happen? How did that work the way that it worked? And how did we ship 30,000 blankets? It was nuts. There, there were some delays, as there always are with massive production runs when you're going from <clears throat> zero to yeah. It was you know so many blankets. Things were delayed for a bunch of reasons. Um, but again, in the context of Kickstarter, like you know, we were the we were a top ten or top twenty Kickstarter of all time, and most of those that that reached that level of success are delayed by like a year. 
Minimum. Minimum. We if were, they ever, well, actually, if they, they, ever they all usually ship. No, most of them don't. It's crazy. In the top 20, that, that's crazy. Coolest cooler, I don't think ever shipped. Oh, Biggest right. one of all time. Wow. Nuts. Um, and yeah, so we were like two months behind, but there were, it was for other reasons. Um, we had everything kind of set up, kind of. Like I had to jump on a plane and go to China really quickly and got super lucky with finding the right partner which was another crazy story of just like showing up to a factory in China and them like, you know, that whole experience of them trying to like court you and, and you're like, you know, why do they like me so much? This is so weird. No one, no one treats me like this over in America. (laughs) They picked me up in a G wagon. It was like, Mr. John, Mr. John. I was like, what? And checked out the facility. I ended up getting super lucky and they were like, yeah, we can crank these things out. And I checked the we you know checking the quality. The quality was better than the handmade sample that we had that we made stateside. So I was like, okay, somehow we're gonna pull this off. And yeah, and now you know, gravity blankets is like a thing. It's like a people talk about it. It's like oh, if you you know it's the one the one that jumped out for me. And there are an infinite amount of mentions. But when I was watching billions and the scene where Axe is on <laughs> yeah, that was his roof, that was nuts. It just blew my mind that they're the gravity blanket. There it is. He's Bang. like, it, it, and it was like, yeah, it was like perfect because that's, that's, I don't, I use it to sleep, <clears throat> but I use it to like think. And he was using it to think. And I fucking, I remember like seeing that, and I got like seven text messages and I like turned it on and I was like, no way. They don't know what they're talking about. My friend's like, whatever. They're, they're razzing yeah, me. I yeah. was like, I was like, oh, it's probably just a blanket. And then like you see it and they're there and they're using it. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, that was the, yeah. that yeah. was what I was like. This is awesome. It was, it was like a real, again, it's like you hit that zeitgeist thing. And if you make something real, it's not, it doesn't even feel like mine. It doesn't even feel like I did it. Like it doesn't feel like that came from that weird moment that I had with the sleep scientist. And I was like, Oh my God, like no one sees this. Why does no one see this? It feels like it's just like the world's it's just like, yeah, yeah. That was so real and so true. And people, it was solved such a serious problem for people that it just became this bigger thing. And it's yeah, still, because it's it's not just for helping you sleep or anything. Right. Like it actually genuinely helps. It helps people. It, certain disabilities actually, yeah. it's it's therapeutic for them. Totally. I mean, it's, we talked to like five or six, uh, you know, like legitimate doctors and physical therapists, and they say they use it as like a legitimate prescription for their patients with autism and PTSD and these conditions where like you know any sort of that sensory coddle feeling really helps them feel at ease and at peace. And like, you know, we're getting, I'll get hit up on, on DMS all the time. And it's like the best feeling in the world. Like people will be like, Hey man, just wanted to let you know that like, you know, my 80 year old grandmother is finally happy again. Cause she's like sleeping better. And it's like, Whoa, that's nuts. That's amazing. Like this wellness center that does all like this really crazy therapy and rehab, like, you know, they just ordered a bunch of moon pods and they, cause they had messed with gravity blanket and they, the, the woman hit me up and was just like, this is like really helping people recover. And it was like, Whoa, it's really great to see that if you really kind of, you know, listen to the right voice in your head and you try to hold out and make and create or find the thing that actually feels good to you it's probably going to actually feel good to someone else and it's going to be real and success or even not success. Just doing that is going to feel better than doing it for any other reason for the most part, at least for me. I totally agree with you. I think that's great yeah. advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that's actually, that's a good segue. Segue. Uh, just maybe back a minute or so. You mentioned product number two. Product number two, Moon Pod. When, when did that come to be and when did that take over the majority of your time Mm -hmm. after Gravity Blanket? Yeah. So Gravity, I was actually, yeah, I was, I was me and my partner once you kind of, and this is the crazy world of D to C right now. It's like, once you kind of get the infrastructure up and you kind of get it going, 
you know, my specialty and what I get excited about is the creation and the like invention, the, the invention and like, you know, taking these things to like taking the company, like once you hit 10 million or so D to C it's like, you kind of hit these things and then the company turns into a different type of an animal and monster. And I really love that initial thing, at least right now. Um, so yeah, I, I basically, you know, like left gravity, left it with my partner who runs it full time now. And, you know, they're crushing it over there. It's like a team of eight or so. Um, and, uh, I sort of went on, you know, like you said, I have, I have all these ideas that I'm sort of waiting on and developing. And, uh, right after gravity, I went, when I, when I, when I set the factory up in China, that was like the end of, that 30 day sprint that was crazy. And I went to Japan for 10 days alone just to sort of reset. That was like the first vacation I had taken like in like probably since ever, uh, probably yeah, like seven years or so. Um, so went to Japan and then started kind of while I was there, I was like, yeah, wow. Like, you know, how did that, why did that work? Like what, what, why did gravity work? I was like, you know, was it this reason? Was it because we got press? Was it because everyone loved the name gravity? Like, or was it the product? And it was like, you know, I had an idea of why it worked and I really wanted to see, I wanted to, I wanted to do it again. I was like, I wanted, I, you know, biggest fear is like, you know, you know one hit wonder, one hit wonder, like my major, old, my major yeah, in college, did I just world. get lucky? Like, I don't want to just be lucky. Like I want to be the wizard. Uh, and so I was like, I got to do it again. I got to do it again. And so Japan, very inspirational place, very peaceful place. And sort of was looking at a bunch of stuff there and kind of, they are like really into this whole like future kind of Zen aesthetic. And I just started seeing beanbags everywhere. And I was like, huh, that would be kind of a great thing to use with the gravity blanket. Um, and I was like, yeah, like bean, like, Beanbags were awesome growing up, but they weren't that great. Like, yeah, I used there were the, some real flaws. They were some real flaws, like mostly uncomfortable in the grand scheme of things. hundred percent. And they didn't the breathe. promise of them is so comfortable. It's like this big sack of just like come and fall into me and you'll like be brought away on this cloud. And I didn't get that with anything that I tried. Right. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to try to bring back the beanbag and you know, Let's re let's like reinvent the beanbag. Looked at what was out there, tested out a bunch of stuff, had a bunch of crazy ideas, and then landed on Moonpod. Um, and just just to reiterate, you do not feel that you invented the beanbag. No, reinvented. There we go. Reinvented. Key. Lot of lot of listeners out there that are waiting to pounce. No invention, just a reinvention. Um, and that brought you to Moonpod. And that brought me to Moonpod. So yeah, we did. Probably like a year after Gravity, I did another Kickstarter, and you know, Gravity Gravity did four point seven million on Kickstarter. Uh, Moonpod, kind of intentionally, like we we pressed the pedal to the metal with Gravity, and that put a lot of stress on the suppliers, a bunch of stress on the consumers. We had like everyone was, I mean, they called my mom. It was crazy. They found my home phone number and was like, "Where's my blanket?" So I was like, "All right." going to avoid that stress. I barely spent any money on marketing and sort of just was like, is this a product that people who bought gravity are going to like again, ended up doing like, you know, I think we did like 1.3 on Kickstarter. And now, you know, that's like a, both of them are a stand standalone thriving, profitable businesses. And you're, mine is racing to figure out what number three is going to be. I know what number three is going to be. I know what I'm going to try not going to talk about it. Right. It's going to be sick. If it works, it's going to be a, it's going to be the coolest thing I've done. Interesting. I'm is pumped. it, is it it's still with fire and everything? What? <laughs> I'm trying to be vague. I don't know. Never mind. I'll, I'll ask you <laughs> I was like, after I stop. What's up? Are you fire yeah, whatever. Fest? What? No, not that. That, that would be a terrible third act. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. That'd be a brutal third act unless you pulled it off and then that would be the most epic thing of all time. But, Whatever. I, felt, I felt for him, man. Not really, but like, I don't know. It's a tough thing. Like everyone told me to, to, to stop gravity. 
everyone was like, there's no way you're going to make 30,000 blankets in six months. And I was like, no, I'm going to. And like watching him like go into a mind space that was too crazy and too like just too much. Like that's where you start getting into a fraud. But like, you know, it's a it's a crazy line where everyone. T when, yeah, it's like it's cr incredibly lonely and makes you go kind of crazy when everyone's telling you that the thing that you see isn't real and that you're wrong and that you should stop. And it is a it is a skill of whether or not to push and keep going or give up. And I've given up a few times, but I like kept going in the larger scheme. But like, yeah, man, like watching him sort of tread water to a point where he just started drowning. It was like, oh, God. Yeah. That's the biggest. Don't don't go down that road. It's don't, tough. Don't go down <laughs> that road. Um, what else? I don't know. You tell me. Since you can't share the third thing, and any other nuggets of advice you want to give out to the, the talk project? Is it an advice thing? Like, do you want? I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if people want my advice. What else, like? I'm not that great at advice. I don't think advice is like a. It's too. It's too much of a blanket statement. I like no, that you said no that. No pun intended. So yeah, I don't know. It, my advice is that your situation is probably incredibly unique with a bunch of different variables that are only relevant to your situation at that place and that time and to think super, super deeply on what you need and just like try. Um, so is there anything you want to promote? Like where do you want people to find you? Do you want to plug your Instagram? Do you want to do? Yeah, I guess, you know, Instagram, I'm you know, I'm always posting. No, I don't post that much, but it's just John underscore Fiorentino on Instagram. Yeah, there I'll definitely be posting about whatever I launch next. Oh, 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 there's a thing between the thing. Okay. So I'm coming out with me and my friend. We're doing a, a candle. Okay. So the fire thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what you're talking fire, about. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my, that, oh, my, oh no, I'm talking about I mean, I can't say, oh, is it the candle thing? Because <laughs> then that's kind of oh, direct. that's the fire. I was thinking yeah, about my you other You light thing. it on fire. I could have been much more. But yeah, I'm coming out with a fun candle. I won't, I won't say what it is, but we're going to launch that probably in a week or so. And it's really great. Everyone that's listening will want one or knows someone that will want one. And it'll be like a fun little thing that you could buy. It's the perfect gift. But watch out for that one. Follow, <laughs> follow me. Get ready for the drop. Exclusively <laughs> rare. That's it. Great. What else? Uh, I mean, the, the last question left is what's your life mantra? Like what's, what's kept you going? Maybe there's something you've repeated to yourself while you're sleeping on the subway that kind of had you chasing that dream. Hmm. So, okay. This is so fucking cheesy. It's so cheesy, but it's so real. Forever. It was motion motion. I just had this, I talked to all my friends about it. It's like, you have these three, I feel like they're like this, this third intelligence. It's like IQ, EQ, and then MQ is what I, the cheesy name that I would call it. But it's like your ability to sort of balance your EQ and IQ. And then like when those things hit a point of resonance, you just move. And like, if you get too caught up on one, you get paralyzed and stuck. E EQ, if you, you know, you're emotional, you know, you're heartbroken or, you know, you're crying or whatever, you just paralyze, you're stuck. IQ, if you're sitting there doing equations, you know, stuck, you got to figure out the resonant point. And then when you figure that out, you just move. So the thing that I always just tell myself was motion, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. Now, the bigger question is, where do you go? In what direction do you go? I can't, I don't want to say it out loud because I sound like a self-help book but it's too real. The, Do it. the thing that I am realizing through some really crazy shit that's happened this past year is just the direction that you have to move towards. And we've kind of talked about it a lot here. It's not it like, it really is love. It's love. Like you have to move. And it's again, like you gotta, you gotta listen to more than just the equation in your brain and you got to move towards if you're picking the direction 
you know, I don't know how to d- put a d- definition to love, but like, you know, well, it's just, if it's, it's, if it's something you're passionate about, if it's an actual mission that you have, that you have more passion than just getting a big number in a bank account, yeah. or if, if maybe it's just the more traditional sense yeah. of finding but it's, like family and but it's, a partner it, totally. and all that, it's like if really, that's your thing, that's your thing. It's really crazy. I've been like talking to a lot of people and everyone there's like something in the air. I don't know if it's just cause I'm sort of thinking about this shit right now, but like everyone that I'm talking to is sort of relating about this stuff, whether, you know, all my like 38, 40 year old friends are sort of talking and thinking about this shit. My 22 year old friends age is not really a thing with this. It's like, there's just a lot of confusion and it's because I think people are, are they're They're thinking, they're thinking too much with their head. And they're eating up these narratives that have sort of been forced upon us. And it's like, oh, you know, like I'm a man, like what should I be doing? Like, oh, I need to be acting this way. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then, you know, again, like those things that you're telling that we've been told you shouldn't do, or you can't do, or you're a bad person. If you do, it's not always the case. If you're doing it out of love and with good intention, then you can probably do that. And you'll start to, I, my bet is that you'll start to feel a lot better and you'll start to feel a lot more like yourself. Yeah. Cause you're real. Cause you're, you're fault. You're moving in the direction of whatever you want to call love. But that is sort of this like, you know, intangible you it's like this self actualization. And I think people are super confused on what, Hey, me again, Phil, sorry, just to interrupt the episode, but unfortunately I had another card mishap, just like episode four, but this one is not nearly as bad, I promise, it's just the last three minutes or so, it's really good stuff, so just bear with me and just kind of look through the hollowness of the audio, I'm glad we captured it regardless, uh, and I'm sorry for the shitty quality, but is what it is, gotta get it out there, but back to John makes them feel good and it's like you know that's why i think everyone's trying to be an entrepreneur right now like i didn't want to be an entrepreneur i didn't know what that was i got fired from every internship like i didn't have a choice like i really didn't have a choice it was like you know i didn't know what else to do except for that and that was the only thing that made me feel good and you know i'm like talking to a bunch of people now and they're all having this like crazy existential crisis i'm like okay what if you stopped worrying about making money or like doing something? Like, what if you just had a family? And they're like, what? Hmm. they're like, yeah, that feels, yeah, that feels pretty good. I'm Maybe like, you should do I'm that. Like, yeah, do that. Having kids would be sick. Like, a few of my friends just had kids, and I'm like, yo, tell me about it. How is it? And they're like, dude, it is the answer. And you just don't hear that for the past twenty years. Yeah. You just don't hear that. That that conversation is not being had. And again, it's like, you know, you you know, you got to move to stay alive, you got to move and grow, but then it's like where do where do I grow into? And I think people just have to be honest with themselves. It's the hardest thing in the world. But when you when it happens, I think that's probably what they call love. I that was awesome. <laughs> that that was not nearly as cheesy as, as I was expecting when you said cheesy. That was not cheesy. That love was is real. the answer. Love is the answer, bro. All right, now we're dipping out <laughs> where I thought it was going. <laughs> Rewind. Cut that out. No, I'm not cutting that out at all. That's staying in. But one more thing before you go. Can you please confirm your current age? 27. And you will not be applying to a banking job or normal job anytime soon. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know. I did it. I did it. It's the seven-year thing. I was like, okay. At first, when you said I did it, I thought you meant you applied oh, somewhere. I was going to ask, yeah, no, no, no. mid-level management at Burger King. Yeah, whatever. that's it's a, it's and that's the that's the kind of crazy feeling right now. It's like, oh, the seven-year plan I just pulled off. Now what? Huge. Oh, now I need a now I need a fifty-year plan. Hmm. Working on it. The framework changes. <laughs> the framework changes. Well, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. We got some nuggets. Bill Toronto, everyone, just on the come up, push this to number one, share it, tweet it, Instagram it, get it out there. Phil deserves it. Thank you. He deserves it. You're saving me some time. (laughs) Appreciate that. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.
in the books, episode eight, John Fiorentino, creator of Gravity Blanket, creator of Moon Pods, creator of your next 10 favorite products, maybe, probably. I think he's, he's onto something. He's, he's brilliant, uh, great friend. And just what you can glean from this episode is that you shouldn't give up if you firmly believe in something. But there is a fine line between insanity and persistence. So that's just something that you have to measure for yourself. And I feel he did a great job of detailing that. And also the importance of love. I mean, he went off on a bit of a tangent, he felt. I thought it was amazing. Uh, We've talked about it a lot offline since then, but I firmly agree with him. You have to have some passion. And if the passion is building a brand, do that. If the passion is building your family, do that. There's nothing wrong with it. And you need to just listen and be true to who you are and what you want out of life. And that's your right. And you should do that. So thank you so much for tuning in. I really, 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 really appreciate it once again. Eight episodes in, this is really fun for me. So if you could just get it out there that you're enjoying the Tartar Project, tell your friends, follow me on Instagram, Tartar Project, Phil Toronto, shout me out in your stories, give me five stars on iTunes, give me some reviews that really helps me grow and get the word out there. I'm having a ton of fun with this. If you guys have any feedback or anything, let me know. And I'll talk to you next week with episode nine.